what people sometimes get upset about. They're like, how can Cam be going to law school? Like, how can this person be going to this or doing this? Is because it's breaking a box that they had set out for themselves and for others. And so I think it's so important to break that box open and just think capaciously about what you want to do. What Happens In Between is all about that awkward middle phase of entrepreneurship. You know, after you've taken your first steps, but before you can live off your passion. Join me, Athena, as I learn from other emerging creators about the tactical and emotional methods they use to keep moving forward after the initial excitement of following your dreams meets the reality of following your dreams. Let's get into it. Boop, boop, boop. Today, I have second year law student, Sonari Chidi, who focuses on advocacy through film. Hi. Hey. Wow, do you see this little, like, little tiny nug right here? I do. <laughs> I don't know what to do about it, um, it's, and it's... I'm feeling a little self-conscious. <laughs> don't even worry about it. We all have that little nug. When we get into company, we're like, ooh. Um, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been mm-hmm. a, an interesting summer, but a busy summer. How yeah. are you? I am individually okay. Um, okay. while watching the world burn around me, you know? know? Yeah, I know. Every day there's something. There's Indeed. really always something. Is. How many years is law school? It's three years. Oh. Yeah. Is there one year that's, like, known to be the hardest, or is it? Well, you know, that's the funny thing. So when I came, when I started, they're like, first year is the hardest year, and then after that, everything gets better. But... You know, recently someone told me the first year they scare you to death, the second year they work you to death, and the third year they bore you to death. So I'm like, in each of these situations, there's death involved. I reject that. (laughs) And I was also like, this is not what I was promised. I was promised the first year was the hardest, and then we get better. So I just, I've I've started to just kind of try to shift my mindset around moving away from what others people say it's supposed to be mm-hmm. because I mean as you as I'm sure you already know like that's not the healthy way to go about things so I'm just putting my own you know going in with my own intentions and and letting that move me forward because if I rely on what everyone said I'd be dying every year right <laughs> so we're not we're not about to do that everyone's trying to kill you at least thrice right? <laughs> I was like I thought the first year and it was over and he's like no 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 um yes I think that is tomfoolery when people like I think there's a way to be realistic to sort of help people temper their expectations without actively um calling upon death right (laughs) (laughs) well I wonder who originated that phrase but I mean law school is difficult but it it really is you know Mm -hmm. it 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 is hard um and I so I'm a Morris fellow which is no one will know what that is, but um, <laughs> except the Penn Law community. Mm-hmm. But uh, at Penn Law, there's you know a mentoring program, so I have a mentee. So I've just been trying to like tell tell them about you know that it's it's about so much of law school is actually about your mindset and mm-hmm. how you think of yourself and the experience as well as what you're actually doing because you can psych yourself out, you know. Yeah. And so it's so important to go in knowing I can do this. I have everything I need to do. it. And when other people are doing different things that, you know, maybe they know this word or they've already read this case, um, not getting freaked out about that. Because it doesn't necessarily mean that they are smarter than you or better than you. It just might mean that maybe they took this class before, which I discovered, or maybe they worked as a paralegal for, you know, three years. And so they're just familiar with these terms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So speaking of mentorship, um, you recent, or maybe it's not that recent anymore, but I believe you did a trip affiliated with Penn to, was it Kenya or was it? Well, I did, I actually did multiple trips um, with Penn, but so I went to Kenya 2017 and then I went to Rwanda 2019 Mm -hmm. with um, Penn Hillel, yeah. So were you working, I believe it was the Kenya trip that you were mm-hmm. working with um, high school students there, right? To Well, so in the, in the Kenya trip, what we were doing was actually, so 
uh, it was a course called Penn in Kenya, and mm -hmm. it was, I think, about eight Penn students and a professor and then two TAs. We went to the Kakuma refugee camp, which is in northwestern Kenya, mm -hmm. and worked alongside refugee filmmakers who I think they had, they had, already, they had all graduated from secondary school. Okay. Um, but because, you know, of their status and what they'd been through, their ages, their age ranges, you know, um, varied. But mm -hmm. uh, essentially, film aid trains them in film skills so they learn how to edit how to direct how to you know write scripts and so we were working alongside them to produce um films orienting new arrivals to the mm -hmm. camp to know how to access essential services so i was on a team um working on health and education so we were uh, making videos about you know the red cross the different hospitals the elementary school the secondary school they don't call it elementary they call it like primary yeah. um and essentially people could come in to a room and now you know everything has changed because of covid so i don't know right. if people are coming into rooms but the idea was people could come into a room watch a video and have a really visual and hopefully you know more engaging way of getting the information than like reading a pamphlet um mm -hmm. yeah so that was what we were doing there and then i actually uh while i was there um started filming what became my uh, first short documentary film shattering refuge um mm -hmm. because i had realized you know this was around 2017, that there was so much rhetoric around immigration, around refugees. There were a lot of politicians talking about it on the news, uh, a lot of journalists, um, you know, pundits, but we weren't hearing from the immigrants and the refugees themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know when else I'd get a chance to go back to a refugee camp or, you know, even talk with uh, uh, refugees. And so I asked some um, of the refugee filmmakers I was working with, you know, would you I feel comfortable talking about, um, you know, media representation, and they were more than happy to. They're actually really excited to mm -hmm. because they had felt that as well that no one had been able to listen to their voice. And so I did some interviews with them on media representation of refugees, and um, you know, it's really interesting because they're media makers themselves, so they mm -hmm. have uh, multiple perspectives on that. And then also with NGO workers, so some of the Kenyans who come into the refugee camp to assist and run different services. And then when I came to Philadelphia, um, journalists in the Philly area, both who identified as immigrants and, you know, asylum recipients and those who do not. And it was interesting to see those perspectives on, you know, the other side of the story. How are you putting the story together? Where are you going to research your sources? How are you involved in the community? And then put that together with news footage um, and turned it into a, a film that's been, um, you know, going to festivals. And now that festivals are virtual, Right. you know going to going to virtual festivals mm -hmm. as well and it's been amazing to see um you know the the reaction that that people have a lot of people say you know wow i had seen articles about this i had you know read news stories but i was kind of like oh that's sad and then moved on um mm -hmm. which is something i think you know many of us do in certain situations yeah um, absolutely but, especially yeah. now yeah but um you know after watching it they would come up to me or ask in the q a like wow, I, I didn't realize that it was like this. I didn't realize what exactly was happening. I need to do something. How can I help? What can I do? And so it's amazing to see the movie, you know, pushing people out of just, oh, that's sad. Um, let me make a, I don't mean to be flippant, but like, that's, that's sad. Let me go on with my life. Um, right. So that's like, this is unacceptable let's do something about it. And so that's where I'm excited about. And that's why I'm really excited to be in law school where I'm able to, um, you know, hopefully utilize my law degree to also help in this issue and in this area where it's like um, the film, I'm interested in combining, you know, film and legal advocacy in addition to, you know, uh, also a, a potentially corporate career, but um, uh, combining film and legal advocacy so that the film ignites people's uh you know passion changes their perspectives opens up different areas of what they thought about an issue and then moves forward to then go to legal reform and changing the systems and the structures that are in place as so many people are now you know talking about um in more productive ways which is exciting so that's that's um shattering refuge and, and what i did in kenya mm -hmm. um why film what was that yeah. moment that made you say, ooh, I want to be 
Well, yeah. first of all, you've acted in things, correct? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So what brought you to acting? And then later, what transitioned you from mm -hmm. acting to behind the camera? Yeah, um, so I, my first acting job was, how old was I? I think it was like seven, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was in um, a movie directed by Akosu Abusia, who's amazing. She was in The Color Purple. Um, uh, she was in Eclipsed on Broadway with Lupita Nyong'o. Mm -hmm. um, she's fantastic. Uh, and she was directing a Nat Turner slave movie. And, um, or I guess I shouldn't say Nat Turner slave movie, just a Nat Turner movie. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, we, she was family, she's family friends with us. And so um, she, you know, asked her mom, oh, Woodson, I want to, you know, just have an extra part. And so I played his son. There weren't any lines. Um, mm -hmm. But at one point in time on set, they're like, oh, it would be great if um, he could cry. Um, do you know if he can cry on cue? And my mom was like, I don't know if he can cry on cue. I mean, um, mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's okay. I'll try it. And so um, we rolled the scene. I cried on cue. And then everyone on set was crying. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is Aww. so amazing. He needs to have a career. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom was like, I'm not trying to be a pushy stage mom because I, you know, I was not paying attention to the magazines, but I think this was probably around the time when all these child stars were going crazy saying, my parents forced me into this, get me out, and like all kinds of stuff. So she was like, I'm not about to have my kid saying I pushed him into this. So I didn't do anything for, I don't know, maybe five more years. And then when I was, I think, 12, I signed up for this acting website um, and like, put in my details and like made a profile mm -hmm. and uploaded a picture. I don't know where I got a picture, but I probably uploaded a picture and submitted myself for an audition. And then um, I got an audition. I was like, oh my gosh, yay. And I brought it to my mom. I was like, oh mom, um, there's this audition for this improv group. And so um, we went, we tried out for the improv group and I got into it. And um, I'm sure most people know what improv is, but essentially it's like uh, this group was not only doing improv, which is like improvisation, it could be live. Um, mm -hmm. This group was doing live improv, but also recording, you know, short films. Mm -hmm. um, so we got some practice doing that. I got practice with, you know, the camera. And then there was an audition for a commercial. Um, and it's, it's always interesting when I tell the story how long-winded it is. But if you ask anyone in entertainment, like how they got in, they're going to have a long-winded story because there's no like right. one way. So essentially, um, there was this commercial, uh, uh, what was it? It was Kmart, a Kmart commercial. So there was an audition that the director of the improv group <laughs> <laughs> sponsored. Not sponsored. That's, that's a joke. Not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored. This is not an ad. Um, and I got the audition and then I got the commercial. And then at the commercial, one of my fellow um, co-stars' moms uh, was, uh, or dad, rather. So the mom was on set, and she was like, oh, um, my husband is doing a play at a theater in Los Angeles. Um, I think Sonari would be wonderful for the role. Would he be interested? So I, you know, I said yes. I think I auditioned for it, and I got the role. And then I did the play, and um, at the play, some one of my fellow actors was like, you know what? I think he would be great for my agent. Um, would you like to be introduced and so my mom right. and I were like yeah that'd be amazing so then I got the agent and then you know that's how the um you know more the other jobs came about was when I when I got the mm -hmm. agent but I <laughs> it's just such a it's a it's like a every I feel like everyone when you ask them in entertainment like oh how did you get started right. everyone has a different path because it happens differently mm -hmm. you know um and then it's just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so at what point did what was the first time that you picked up a camera or you, you took on this role of uh -huh. oh my family I don't even know how you define yourself <laughs> actually or what title you might give yourself mm, oh what title uh it's interesting you know being a part of so many different worlds because you know uh I I don't think of myself as an actor all the time although if a job came and I was excited about it, I would love to do it. Yeah. And I love to perform. Like I, I also was part of a philanthropic pop group, Bittersweet, and I was okay. dancing and singing in that. So <laughs> so I, I enjoy performing. But um, you know, I have I consciously transitioned to the other side of producing and directing because mm -hmm. um 
maybe this answers a question you asked earlier, but because I was interested in the types of stories and the content that was being told. I felt that, um, you know, I could have more impact as someone who was, you know, writing the script and telling different stories and interesting stories from underrepresented perspectives um, and directing and showcasing and shining a light on interesting actors. And um, I thought that, you know, being on the other side of the camera would allow me to have more um, ability to tell the kinds of stories that I thought would be exciting and would be interesting and that weren't being told. Um, so that's yeah. what brought me to the other side. And then in terms of the first time I picked up the camera, mm -hmm. my family will tell you probably when I was like, yeah <laughs> or something because we had like these you know camcorders that everyone yeah. I don't know if everyone had it um but but some people had and it's like I would do family movies and mm -hmm. I would film people <laughs> so I've, I've been doing that for a, a while but professionally um probably Shattering Refuge so 2017 yeah. Oh. yeah I well actually oh. I guess I was producing in like 20. It's, it, well, when you're producing, you're not really picking up the camera. So it's like the, uh -huh. the first time I really directed something professionally was 2017. Which yeah. was an experience, but yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, I have zero home movies. Really? I, yeah. I feel wow. very much... Um, I also don't feel like I personally know, I guess until now, um, people who have home movies. In really? Earth. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, of I mean, course, there I mean, are little video clips. Yeah. But it's not the way that I feel like I see it on TV or whatever, where it's like, here, here's the volumes of your your young adolescence. <laughs> mm, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I. Haven't. No, I was just gonna say I don't know if I maybe I wouldn't call it a home movie, but it's like mm -hmm. what I would do. So there are two different types. There's one where I'm, it's like everyone's sitting in the living room and I'm filming them. Yeah. Or like my mom is filming us playing a game, and then there's also the types where I would get my friends together and we would actually like act out scripts and it'd be like an adventure and a spy story yeah. all told within like my home i love um, that yeah that's really cool yeah. um did you write these adventures i feel like i did I probably i mean i think it was probably a collaboration too of like oh of what course. do we think would be cool um like let's go up this hill mm -hmm. this is a mountain of something um this was like when i was like probably what 10 9 8 so everything was exciting. Everything's still exciting. You know, we yeah. got to keep that youthful outlook. Yeah. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> so you alluded a little bit earlier to mm -hmm. having produced something yeah. earlier than 2017. Yeah. What does that mean? What was yeah, it? Yeah. So, um, I, so when I realized that I was interested on the other side of the, in the other side of the camera, I mm -hmm. started taking classes at UCLA film school and, um, I took producing and screenwriting classes there, and then this was during high school, and then um, uh, took a screenwriting class at USC, and one of my friends um, was on the show Blackish, mm -hmm. and a writer on Blackish was interested in doing a, uh, you know, a sitcom web series based on the, uh, a Nigerian immigrant, a Nigerian American immigrant family, mm -hmm. and um, you know, telling it from the perspective of a, a young kid coming to the, um, or, you know, growing up in the country, you know, kind of torn between these two worlds and expectations. And so uh, he um, needed some help with, you know, just kind of wrangling the entire production. And um, when my friend on, on Blackish texted me, um, she, she was actually texting for my younger brother because um, he was looking for, you know, a young kid. And so yeah. um, my younger brother ended up doing it. My mom ended up being playing the mom in it. Um, mm -hmm. But I was also like, hey, I can help you produce. And so I ended up dealing with, um, you know, drafting contracts, drafting the deal memos, uh, you know, organizing the call sheets. I was representing the um, production to the Screen Actors Guild and uh, AFTRA. Uh, mm -hmm. SAG-AFTRA and essentially making sure that we got our approval and our signatory status and that we were um, abiding by the different union and labor regulations. So it was a really exciting and interesting job to kind of be able to um, shepherd the the creative ideas mm -hmm. to um, to fulfillment. And that's really the job of a producer. A lot of times people are like, you know, what does the producer do? What exactly 
does that mean? And a producer is a pretty capacious title, so it could mean a lot of things. There's some producers that mostly give money and kind of just want to see some aspects of it. There's some producers that are, um, in, in, you know, depending on the context, that could be the EP, the executive producer. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it depends, really. Um, but a lot of times the producer is the person who uh, makes sure that the production goes from the creative vision to the actual concrete, you know, uh, film or web series or you know, TV show that you get to watch. And right. so shepherding that process was really exciting for me. And it's something that I actually see tying in with um, my interest in the law because a lot of times lawyers and I worked at Microsoft Corporation this summer as a legal intern. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what we were doing is we're uh, serving as trusted advisors to get the business um, to be able to meet their goals and um, you know, produce their ideas uh, within the framework of the law and so making sure that there's no um you know large legal uh liabilities and, and things like that and so it's, it's exciting to be able to do that as a lawyer as well um so yeah yeah <laughs> um okay i have a couple questions first mm -hmm. uh are your parents or people around you in your family in the media industry because i'm hearing a lot of like friends of friends and yeah, husband yeah. mother you know <laughs> i just wonder so, yeah 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 so essentially the it's so interesting so in los angeles when you start getting into the industry as an actor they're mm -hmm. kind of like these especially within the person of color community and the african-american community because when they like put out a call for like you know we want a 14 year old it's like a range like 12 to 16 yeah. african-american and um I don't know how much I should say, but I was, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to out. No, 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 no. It's, <laughs> not, it's just like back in the day, I remember when it was like when it was like a, a multiracial call and it was um, I don't think I mean, this is the truth. And it was a multiracial call, but like it was for a family show. Mm -hmm. You would know that as an African-American, you were not getting that role because they weren't going to put right <laughs> on tv but now which is really exciting it's changed so uh -huh. that's been really exciting anyway um that's an aside uh but essentially you kind of you kind of form a group because you see each other at all the auditions and everything so when my friend um yara ended up at um on blackish that mm -hmm. was how you know we were we were still in contact because we had been a part of that you know group of of youngins hanging around um, uh, Hollywood, which sounds more glamorous than it is. We weren't doing yeah. anything, <laughs> like kicking out. Um, yeah. But yeah, and and then my um, my mom was an actor, so she okay. she knows people um, from the industry. But it's so interesting because um, I don't know. It's like there there's so many different levels of of connected in the industry, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't consider myself <laughs> um, at least when I started out like particularly connected but yeah. we knew great people um and wonderful friends like you know uh Antia Costa who's amazing so mm -hmm. that was that was definitely a wonderful um yeah yeah cool that that actually makes a lot of sense that it's kind of like the one out of 17 uh scripts that is asking for a black person mm -hmm. it makes sense that you're gonna see the same people yeah. constantly yeah yeah um yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Another thing that I'm interested in is as a producer slash director, oh, well, so let me give a little bit of context. I feel like I've recently opened up my creative projects um, mm. to asking for help for others. So maybe the way I should phrase that is that I've recently uh, taken my head outside of my own ego enough to ask for help. <laughs> from people yeah. and one of the things that I've struggled with is with creative projects I have I don't have practice um, communicating what I'm trying to get to or how I think we can get their best and so mm -hmm. I wonder what has been your experience with doing projects that of course involve mm -hmm. other people um, how how do you feel your communication is in that process mm -hmm. how do you get your vision across to those you're working with? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say just speaking in the words that you know and in the language that you know and allowing the other people to interpret it 
Um, and I, I feel like I've, I've learned that kind of from other mentors in the industry, which is like, I think, um, you know, I was watching a webinar with one of the directors of the Clark's or the director of the Clark sisters movie. And I think she said it where she was like, don't try to communicate with the composer in like musical language. If you don't know yeah. the musical language, just right. communicate in the, in the way that you interact with it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I've tried to do when I'm like communicating with editors or, um, you know, different things on the Shattering Refuge film was like, I'm, I'm going to say the words the way that I understand them. And I, I think I trust my collaborators to be able to interpret that in whatever yeah. expertise they have um, mm -hmm. because they've, they've worked with other people. Um, so just communicating as directly as possible to what you're feeling um, can, can work. And then if they don't, if they're not getting it, then, you know, I think it, it ends up being sometimes, you know, what you think you want is actually not what you, what you end up really liking. Yeah. And so it can, there can be kind of this path of, of, of it changing, but in terms of like something that you, you really know you need, I would say mm -hmm. just communicate in the way that you, you know best. And then if there are any examples, you know, that you have, that can be helpful. Sometimes I'll like pull an example, like, oh, this is what I want it to look like, or this is what I'm thinking about it. Here's the sound that I like. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be a really like tactile way of, of doing it. Yeah. I kind of like when you go to um, the barbershop and you tell them how you, <laughs> you would like your picture. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. 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 That makes sense. So um, oh, what was I going to ask? Uh oh. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> well, what projects are you, are you working on? Right. Or now? anything that you can share? Oh, yeah. There's not. I. Creating content, creative content is a form of, what is that word? Not relaxation. I would not call it that, but right. it's cathartic for me. Oh, okay. And so it's not anything that, it's not that I'll never, it's not that I'm not allowed to talk about my projects. It's mm -hmm. that I will do an entire project. Uh, it will sit in my hard drive for a long time. And then mm. a couple months later, I'll be like, oh yeah, I did shoot a music video. Here you go, Instagram. Wow. <laughs> um, so that's that's my own thing that I'm always working through, where I'm just wow. like, Instagram is the last person I want to tell about anything I'm doing. So I will like, yeah. I have like emailed, this happened last summer actually, where I had emailed my um, music video to like a lot of people. And I was like, look, I edited, I learned how to color grade on this wow. video. You can see the difference between the beginning and the end because I was better. <laughs> um, and, and then I just, I don't know, like six months later, I was like, oh, he, here, yeah, you guys can watch it too. Like whoever the amorphous Instagram people are. Mm -hmm. And my friend was like, finally. <laughs> that's <laughs> iconic. Like, that's like, that's some celebrity level stuff. It's like stage no. <laughs> drops. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose okay. so. <laughs> we see you. Okay. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to ask you. <laughs> this was a good aside. Um, <laughs> what was the process of getting Shadowing Refuge to festivals? Shadowing Refuge, yeah. So that was an interesting process. So one of the most helpful things was a fellowship I did at Penn. Mm -hmm. um, the camera fellowship and uh, essentially it's supporting people who are interested in social justice projects and multimedia scholarship um, mm -hmm. through I think it's like a, it was like a nine-month program or maybe it was like September I think we applied in September honestly the months don't matter so right. let me not get into that <laughs> The, the people listening are like Sonari I really don't need to know the exact day you applied um just want to get the people information. <laughs> it was <laughs> September the 6th. <laughs> At 11.55 p.m. Mm -hmm. um, and es essentially it supported us through the process of making whatever project we wanted to make. It could have been an art project of, you know, canvas and acrylic, um, mm -hmm. but most of us did uh, films. I think everyone did films. And they paired us up with a mentor, they gave us editing workshops and different things. And at the end of that, we had a showcase um, for our work. And one of the directors of, or, you know, uh, 
the director of the Rough Cuts Film Festival, which is the film festival in Philly, was at the showcase. And he emailed later asking like, hey, um, I'd love to show your film at our festival. And um, it, yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Um, And it ended up going there and it won the Social Justice Award. And then after that, that was, I think, a 13 minute version. I actually ended up spending the summer and maybe a little bit longer recutting it. And I debuted the new version at Perry World House, I believe in like February, what, 2019? The years are like, I feel yeah. old, but I, I really, I think it, it was February 2019, yes, because I, I started at Penn Law in um, August 2019, or September. Yeah. So yeah, um, so that was like a longer version, I think 20 minutes. I edited some new content into there that I had filmed, but just hadn't included. Mm-hmm. And then I sent that version out to festivals. And I think the first festival got into, um, or I guess the second was like the Morehouse College Film Festival for Human Rights. And then it mm-hmm. went to the Awareness Film Festival in LA, and then it went to um, the San Antonio Black Film Festival. And then um, there was a screening actually in Los Angeles with um, Rich Ross, who was the former uh, head of uh, Discovery and um, Mm -hmm. also head of uh, Disney Studios. And yeah, um, and he moderated that and he's amazing. Um, And it was like for Penn, Penn alum and then it also went to a couple of festivals that are now virtual, like the San Francisco Black Film Festival and um, a couple of others. So it's, it's, it's been exciting um, to see it, you know, getting out there. But I think one of my favorite parts was when it actually, it actually went international. So it went to a, a film festival in Germany and then it also went to a film festival or actually it was a, it was a, um, a conference essentially, the mm-hmm. Transatlantic Conference on Religion and Race that was in Nairobi, Kenya. So it was exciting to be able to go back yeah. to Kenya and showcase the work that I had started there um, with, you know, scholars, community members. Um, and that was that was one of the highlights, I think, um, getting to go back to Kenya. I never would have, you know, I never would have thought that I would be able to, to, to visit again. And so that was yeah. really exciting. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, why, mm-hmm. or maybe not why, how do you intend to marry uh, a law degree and yeah. film? Yeah, well, I think it's, I think it's, um, it is not as hard as it might seem, um, just because, you know, as a lawyer, you're, you have to communicate with people, you have to communicate ideas effectively and persuasively, whether you're a trial lawyer or, you know, a corporate lawyer where you're sending emails or working on transactions and contracts you always have to be able to communicate and that's what film really teaches you how to do and mm-hmm. you have to be concise as a lawyer and you know as a filmmaker as I'm sure you know you know it's harder to fit something into a five-minute story than it is to fit something into a five-hour story but yeah. nobody wants well unless it's Avengers nobody wants to sit there and even Avengers nobody wants to sit there for five hours right. so you got to cut that thing down and understand mm-hmm. how to shape a story that draws the person in that communicates effectively that gives you some ethos some pathos you know maybe some logos and, <laughs> <laughs> and um and gets the uh, gets the viewer to, um, you know, expose themselves to something they might not have otherwise been open to. And so I think those key skills are, are um, very much shared between the disciplines in terms of actually enacting it. You know, I, I'm thinking about uh, at Microsoft where so many of the people that I worked with are engaged in different things. So they're working on their, you know, their corporate job um, but they're also engaged in pro bono and mm-hmm. um, public in, uh, social interest work and just living full lives. And I think that that's something that we should embrace as people. And, you know, um, especially, you know, both you and I are recent graduates coming out into the world. Um, <clears throat> just mm-hmm. when we think about our careers, I think we should have a capacious view of them. Like people aren't doing one thing. Kim Kardashian is going to law school, you know, mm-hmm. and I think what, people sometimes get upset about they're like how can can be going to law school like how can this person be going to this or doing this is because it's breaking a box that they had set out 
for themselves and for others. And so I think it's so important to break that box open and just mm -hmm. think capaciously about what we want to do. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is writing columns in The Hollywood Reporter, and he's mm -hmm. amazing, you know? There are a lot of different stages to a career and different things that you can incorporate. Um, so I don't know exactly what it will look like, you know, but I do know that I, I love film and I also love, um, you know, the idea of being a, um, and the practice of being, you know, a, a corporate lawyer as well. This summer yeah. really showed me how much I, I enjoyed it and um, enjoy, you know, working on solving complex issues. So I, I think whether it's like after work, engaging in film or working on pro bono, supporting filmmakers to be able mm -hmm. to protect their work and their IP um, or, uh, you know, working on uh, films for the, for who knows, the law firm. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we, we really need the film to show. I mean, you know, I took a course called Visual Legal Advocacy at Penn Law in my um, sophomore year mm -hmm. at Penn. And it was showcasing the ways that the video format can be an effective um, form of advocacy for a client, for a cause. And I think that, you know, as we move forward, perhaps there will be more uses for that. Um, often it's used in like when a, a judge is deciding whether to give someone, you know, life or, or in deciding, you know, clemency or something like that. But I think there can be expansive uses for video in um, even the courtroom. Mm -hmm. It's really cool to hear someone, um, especially our age, um, so, well, one, it's very clear that you're passionate, which is always cool to just hear people like, just see them like light up when they're talking about what they love. But it's really cool to hear you um, not be afraid to do both mm -hmm. and just sort of like have this, um, it, maybe not innate, maybe it was practiced, but like mm -hmm. have this understanding and this assurance that you can simply do both. Mm -hmm. um, I really love that as a maximalist myself. <laughs> um, so that's really cool. Uh, okay, cacao. It's time for the seedling round where, are you frozen? Okay. <laughs> am I, am I no, frozen? not anymore, not anymore. Um, okay. Just for a moment. Uh, looks like my lightning was too powerful. Right? <laughs> The seedling round where short questions lead to tasty answers. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, was or is the biggest challenge that you faced in your filmmaking? Just starting. <laughs> mm. How how do these answers go? Do I explain? Do I just... Oh, yeah, you get into it. It's just okay. the, the question only is okay. short. <laughs> <laughs> um, just starting because, you know, I had been around film as an actor in front of the camera, you know, as a writer, I was comfortable writing tons of scripts. I, you know, got into USC film school for screenwriting. So I, I was like very comfortable with that. You have to be, um, you have to have a lot of scripts for that. And then mm -hmm. I was comfortable as a producer, you know, but I had never been in charge of the camera yeah. and in charge of the camera. I don't mean necessarily being the director of uh, photography, which I actually was on, on this, but I mean like in charge of the 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 vision. And yeah. so, um, and then actually the technical aspects of, okay, how are we going to light this shot? Um, so just starting was, was hard because I was like, where do I start? You know, mm -hmm. I've never done this before. How do I pick up something that I've never done? Like, is this the right way <laughs> for going into an interview? And I can say this now, I guess, but I was just like, what am I doing? Because mm -hmm. in camera, the fellowship, they had taught us how to do it. But I mean, it's only my, what, third, fourth time setting up a shot. Yeah. So it, yeah. Was, it was scary, but, you know, I just had to be like, you know what, I will, <laughs> I will do this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to like, believe you can do it, even if you're not really 100% sure. Uh -huh. And just just start, just do something, just put, put the light up, set the camera, look at it. Does this look good? Is this what I'm feeling? Is this mm -hmm. what it sounded like I should be doing based on my, on my um, practice? And right. then go with it. And you learn along the way. So 
that was a that was a, a tough thing was just just getting started but it, it was well actually you know what I should I should amend that because okay. when I was in Kakuma I actually I, w I was working with less equipment I, I took my iPhone and I filmed the interviews there so there there wasn't really much to fiddle with like uh -huh. the sun was the lighting yes like either we went inside we went outside we we moved the chair we didn't move the chair that was it but when I came to Philadelphia and I was doing interviews with journalists and other people um I had you know a, a bigger Access kit to stuff, and yeah. so that then that added choices so I guess it wasn't really just starting because I mean I was I was actually fine just you know framing the shot with my iPhone and adjusting yeah. lighting and stuff like that um so yeah it was just starting but just starting round two when it was like with the act with the full equipment yeah yeah I yeah I get that a lot mm -hmm. um it's so <laughs> earlier today I googled um how do I become the person that throws office retreats? Oh wow! <laughs> I like... love Google. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I love Bing yeah. too, as as a you know a Microsoft alum. Uh -huh. um, but I just need in general. I will cut out. I'll cut out that you said you love Google. Don't worry, I'll cut that out. <laughs> They're gonna come for you. <laughs> um, but like. As, as as someone who I totally believe in that, just search it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, but please continue. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's really it. I just was kind of like, I'm in the process of trying to figure out what my grand vision is for myself. Uh, and that's along the way, that's all the pipeline. And I was just like, yeah, how do I do that? Anyways, that's not how the ceiling round goes. <laughs> 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 what is your favorite genre of, uh, visual storytelling Ooh, i love television i love television mm. television was my first love actually mm. um because i remember it was scandal that really opened my eyes <laughs> to the power of representation and before then um it was i think it was boris kojo and who was it i'm like trying to figure out i think it was boris kojo and gugu uh, was it Gugun Bathara who had a show called Undercovers and yes Boris Kojo but I still remember it and that was like one of the first shows during my kind of like what I call it adolescence adolescence yeah. <laughs> where it was like it was on the, a network with yeah. two African-American leads or an African-American lead before then it was you know Hawthorne I don't know if you remember this with yes. Jada Pinkett Smith um so I watched oh, a little bit of no. that but just <laughs> I thought I knew what you were talking about. I was wrong. <laughs> Nurse Hawthorne with Jada Pinkett Smith, um, where it was like African-American representation. And um, then Scandal came and that was huge. And it was Kerry Washington. And it was a, a, um, a confident, but complicated and mm -hmm. messy and human, mm -hmm. but bold, you know, um, African-American woman running, running things, you know? And mm -hmm. it was just so exciting to see that and to see a story where um, I, I just, I just felt like um, it, it also, it touched on issues that, you know, African-Americans knew about. There was the whole thing about, you know, twice as hard, sorry, um, yeah, twice as hard for half as much yeah. that um, Joe Morton, uh, who plays Kerry Washington, Olivia's father, mm -hmm. said that I think it was like season three. Um, and so it was exciting to see uh, the way that television also could respond to issues. There was uh, uh, an episode about, you know, police shootings and different, just different stories. And I felt like for, with TV, there was so much um, that was, that was at the forefront. We had Empire and then movies, I feel like started to catch up with more diversity. But for me, the, the first place where I saw a lot of, you know, um, diversity was, was in TV and, and responsiveness. Um, to different issues and I've, I've fallen in love with film too but definitely television there's just something exciting about being able to sit with the show each week and having the storylines unfold and I find honestly that if the film isn't like amazing I won't really remember what happened but I'll remember what happened in a tv show yeah I wrote a 10-page paper on Shonda Rhimes really oh my yes gosh. it was about negotiation actually and just like I was unpacking how she got um, TGI Thursdays because mm -hmm. incredible to just wow, own a I night. Read that. Like, yeah. 
she's a, a maverick. Yes, indeed. And I mean, there are people before her that, you know, she built on, which I think is always, you know, important to recognize is, you know, there were TV shows before then, but it, feel, it felt like there was a dearth for a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, and we were coming back. But like we had the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. and then silence for yeah, yeah. <laughs> for maybe a decade yeah, or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great cacao. That ends <laughs> the seedling round. Um, one thing I wanted to ask very yeah. briefly is documentary the mm-hmm. the medium that you are drawn to the most when you're creating. Um, that's a good question. I had always thought of myself as a someone who was going to do fictional work um, just because I had been an actor. I had been most familiar with it. I was a screenwriter. I wasn't writing documentaries. I didn't even know. Like when someone said, oh, like you like write a documentary, I was like, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now, now I know what they're talking about, but I was like, what do you mean you write a documentary? You just document. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> But I, so I had always envisioned myself as someone who's going to do fictional films, um, but there's something, you know, um, kind of, I don't know if it's electric, but just very tangible about documentary as a medium for um, stories, because you know that the characters are not characters, they're real people, you know. The stakes are are real. Yeah, this is real life. (laughs) The stakes, yeah. as you said, are, are you know, real life yeah. <laughs> stakes. Um, right. And so it's harder, I feel, to sit back after it ends and be like, well, at least this was fictional, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, because they can't, they don't get to sit back and turn off the TV on their lives. It continues. So right. I think there's something really immediate about the documentary form that I really enjoy. And it's also pretty accessible to too um in terms of you know actually going about making it and telling the stories um because a lot of times you know with the documentary people understand that this was you know you might not have been able to get the the best lighting because you weren't necessarily you know in a studio or what have you you can't stage like a a moment in someone's life yeah exactly (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. um so there's there's an immediacy and an an ability to tell stories and so i I really enjoyed documentary but i had never thought about it until i I made the film i always envisioned myself as making fictional work um Mm -hmm. so it was actually really interesting and i think that that's one of the things you know we have to stay open um to different things coming And, and I, I, I definitely would not have expected that. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So I like to end on two things. Okay. What is your greatest ambition? Manifest it. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, greatest ambition. Hmm. Having, oh, I don't think I've ever really, like, crystallized it, but having a positive impact for, um, for disenfranchised and underrepresented people. Mm-hmm. I think it, maybe having positive impact isn't concrete enough, but like, you know, changing the, the systems that, that, that hold us back. And by us, I mean literally everyone, even those who aren't yeah. disenfranchised or underrepresented, because I think that it, there's a, um, I don't know who said it, but there's kind of like a, um, um, moral decay that happens when mm. when you're you're in proximity to um oppression and don't do anything and it affects everyone you know yeah, yeah. you know so i think um yeah that would be my greatest ambition is working with people to to change the structures and um, the systems that that disenfranchise and and, and hold people back yeah, beautiful. What is the question of the week? Ooh, what? Just about anything? Yeah. What do you want the audience uh, <laughs> to DM me is the answer to the question of the week. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, we've seen so much going on in so many aspects of our lives, whether it's just, you know, our favorite 
you know, um, role models um, or, you know, social justice issues or, you know, the coronavirus, which is affecting people. This is a really, um, it can be a difficult time where people feel um, helpless and honestly overwhelmed. Like when you log into Instagram, all of the stories, it's just, it's yeah. so encouraging to see people involved and and posting and hopefully also participating. Mm -hmm. But also it's it sometimes can be like difficult to see all of the 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 pain that's that's going on. In terms of the question, I guess it would be what I was I was gonna ask something too broad. Um No, it can be as broad as you want. Well, I just, I heard something that I really liked this week and I forget where I, um, where I saw it, but it was like, you know, your, your, your work is not necessarily your purpose, mm -hmm. you know, your yes. purpose can be incorporated into your work, but it could be outside of it. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess the question I was going to ask is like, what, what do you feel your purpose could be? But that's, I think. I think that's too broad. So um, the question I'm going to ask, y'all yes. can think about that too. <laughs> the question <laughs> I'm going to ask is, what is what are what is like one thing you want to focus on changing or participating in? Um, I like this. Yeah. What is one thing you want to focus on changing or participating in? Mm -hmm. Delightful. Yeah. <laughs> Where can the people find you and your work? Ooh. Okay. So they can. Find me on Twitter at Sonari Joe, S-O-N as in Nancy, <laughs> this is me on the phone, A-R-I-J as in Josh, O yeah. as in Olga, and yes. um, <laughs> uh, so on Twitter, um, also, you know, on LinkedIn, <laughs> oh, yes. Sonari Chidi, um, you got to get that LinkedIn in there. Uh, also, my film is at shatteringrefuge.com. You can check out info on it, um, info on upcoming screenings, things like that. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. You've been such a lovely guest. Oh, thank you, Athena. I really appreciate it. I had fun. No problem. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Sonari. Here are my top two takeaways. The first is to marry your passions because the odds are... Uh, the skills will overlap more than you think they would. And the second is to not allow yourself to be defined by other people's perceptions. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review, subscribe, share, you know what I want, do the things. I'll see you in the next one.